Hi everyone and welcome to Philosophy Rekindled with our focus book, the 1920 published version of Tertium Organum by P. D. Espensky. Today we are discussing chapter 14 and we will be covering this chapter in two parts over separate podcasts. This is part one. You will find the audio version of this chapter as an additional audio to this podcast and you'll also find additional information on our website philosophyrekindle.com. Today my guest is Peter Lancet, hypnotherapist, author and classic scholar. And I'm Alice Flanagan, fiction author, computer programmer and podcaster. Thanks so much for joining us and welcome Pete. So Pete, we're up to chapter 14. Welcome and uh, thanks for Hi, thanks for coming. <laughs> Well, my God, yeah, chapter fourteen. I, I feel like I feel like I've gone through World War Two, well, which is rather facetious of me because people were dying. I, I do understand, you know, that, that all I'm doing is sit, sitting here saving lives in in my in my centre by not going out. I'm 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 a brave soldier. I'm saving lives in this scandalous lockdown of civil liberties that we are living through at the moment. For anybody that listens to this later, um, maybe years later, God knows it, but um, I'll just remind you that we were recording this in the first quarter and, and second quarter of 2020 when the world was, sub- the world, not just my country, was subject to the most horrific grab of civil liberties by deep state that I thought was impossible in my lifetime and has happened. And so we're all under house arrest in our own homes at the moment. Uspensky, chapter 14, where were we? Let's get on with the Spensky chapter 14. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. So, uh, but we will get on with chapter 14. Yeah. So let's start. I'm going to just read, as I always do, the opening lines. It seems to us that we see something and understand something, but in reality, all that proceeds around us, we sense only very confusedly, just like a snail senses confusedly the sunlight, the darkness and the rain. Sometimes in things, we sense confusedly their difference in function, i.e. their real difference. I'll just backtrack a little bit. I think this chapter, we have pulled out various threads in our podcasts all the way through that were this one sentence here or a line there or something that was quite not talked about this is the chapter where all those threads seem to to be joined into something more meaningful so I think uh, Spensky he's he's starting to talk about the noumenon and the phenomenon being as he has said all along we're just seeing shadows so that that's him setting the scene We've heard, we've heard him before say, you know, things are sensed very confusedly, like over and over again. But now mm-hmm. we're getting right into it. Um, what are your thoughts on, on this chapter as, as its theme, Pete? I, I like the theme, but I have a lot of questions about what he writes in, in this because I'm finding that Either I'm too stupid to, which is quite possible, I mean, I might be too stupid to understand what it is he's trying to say, or he's missing something in his explanations. Because while, yes, I agree in principle with what he's saying, there are certain things that just don't ring true with me that, that I could, oh, that I could debate that I could debate. So I'm interested I'm interested as we go through to see if our exploration of some of these little um, passages um, will bring out something that I hadn't thought of before. Because sometimes just talking about it brings the idea through. Uh, yeah, it'll exactly. Be it'll be interesting to see what it, what it says. 
So where do you where do you want to take us to first? Well, the first thing I want to talk about because this this first um, this first bit he talks about being the difference between bricks in a prison wall and those in a church wall. That to me uh, sang so true because and I, and I'll well before I start I'll just read you the the brief paragraph so that you and the listeners know what, what I'm talking about. So he says, uh, on occasion I was crossing the Neva with one of my friends, A, with whom I happened to have had many conversations upon the themes touched on in this book. We had been talking, but both fell silent as we approached the fortress, gazing up at its walls and making probably the same reflection. Right there are also factory chimneys, said A. Behind the walls of the fortress indeed appeared some, some brick chimneys blackened by smoke. On his saying this, I too sensed the difference between the chimneys and the prison walls with unusual clearness, and like an electric shock, I realised the difference between the very bricks themselves, and it seemed to me that A realised this difference also. Why this piece just sang to me was because I know there is a difference between, uh, say, a heritage home where you walk in and it's been there for 150 years, and a new build. You can feel the difference. There is a difference between a prison wall and, uh, say, a wall of, you know, a park or something. There is a difference. And I had never thought about it before beyond just that's how it feels. But I think what Ospensky's saying is that the reason we perceive a difference is that, that in fact, there is a difference. There is a difference even down to the very bricks, um, even though they might be made of the same chemical composition, those bricks aren't necessarily the same, even though we've grouped them together as bricks in a dimension other than the third, that, that we're seeing just shadows and we're thinking things that are alike are not necessarily really alike. Uh, I, I, I love that. I, I feel there is a difference between a lot of things that look the same and that are made of the same things. Okay. And he then, because I, you know, I'm with you completely on there, on that. And he says, so let's go back to the, the quote that you, you know, the bit that you just read. So, so that we're, we're using the example that he gave. So you've got a fact, you've got a, a fortress wall and behind the fortress there are factory chimneys and the, the wall is made of bricks and the factory chimneys are made of bricks. Yep. But you, yep, you, you sent you sense the difference in the bricks because you know um, they're not doing the same job. So it's not the bricks that that are different. He hasn't proved that the bricks are different yet. It's the function of the brick. If you were to demolish the fortress and demolish the factory chimneys, and you did it carefully so that the bricks remained intact, and then you jumbled all of those bricks together, and then you rebuilt the fortress and you rebuilt the chimneys so that you can assume that some of the f the bricks that were formerly in the fortress are now in the factory chimney and some of the chimneys bricks are now in the walls of the fortress what's happened yeah you would have the same vibe of those fortress walls that you had before because their function is that so to me it, what we describe what we're discussing is and his and his words the, the words have to be carefully and forensically analyzed in this you know he seems to be intimating that, that it's the because he says the difference between the very bricks themselves now in my copy of this book that phrase is in italics 
to really emphasize it. Difference, yes, mine too. Difference mine too. between the very bricks themselves. Now, does he mean the very bricks of the um, factory chimneys as opposed to the very bricks of the wall? Or does he mean the individual bricks? I think, well, knowing what he says later on in the chapter, when he talks about the function, not the chemical composition, is the, and he uses, and we will get to this, I'm just going to sort of a little bit of a, yeah. a, um, a teaser. Um, he, he talks about the function being the atom, the, the atoms of something outside of this dimension. And I, I think he uses that word like we use as a building block. The function mm-hmm. He's saying the function is the building block, not the chemical composition. Okay. But that's so, a little further along. So, yeah, um, you know, he says positive assures us, because we come back to this positivism, which this entire book is ripping apart, and, and happily for me, because I, I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a logical positivist at all, and I'm certainly not a, a physical positivist. Um, so he says positivist... Positivism assures itself that a stone is a stone and nothing more. And I love this. But any simple woman or child, I love how, like, child, child, so any simple woman or child knows perfectly that a stone from the wall of a church and one from a prison wall are different things. I'm, so, so even a stupid woman, even, yeah, even a stupid woman could work this out, is what he's saying. (laughs) I I love that. I thought, well, I don't actually love it, but I thought, oh my god, it is it is like it's, we've gone from savages to women and children. I have to say that women now rank lower than native savages because he does allow, if we go back a couple of chapters, for the idea of the crafty savage, whereas it's the where it's it's a simple woman. <laughs> lumped in with the children like they, they, they the just children. they just haven't they haven't evolved into adulthood even no. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> so a simple woman or a child much less a crafty <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> not okay, even a crafty well, woman <laughs> no not even a crafty it's a simple woman <laughs> he doesn't even allow for a for a crafty woman he hasn't ever mentioned them at all <laughs> no <laughs> I, th- I think his assumption is i think that his assumption from that phrase is that all women are simple and, and categorised along with um, little children in this respect. Yeah. I, I'm pretty yeah, certain that I, that's his, his assumption. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you there. That okay, but that's, that's pretty clear to me. We're getting off the point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so yeah let's get back is, to the point. <laughs> so the idea is that the bricks in the wall of a church and the bricks in the wall of a prison are not the same thing. I, I do need to take that further because that's a very abstract statement. It would be a strange day where you found the same bricks used to make a church and used to make a prison. So from that sense, they're unlikely to be the same at all. Seriously, think okay. of what I'm saying. Um, prison walls will not would be made of... Let, let's, just, let's just make imagine and let's go a little bit further abstract. Imagine if you were building a prison, wouldn't you want big, thick, strong stone bricks? Do you need to have those in a church? Does a house need to be made of the same materials as a fortress? No, no, it doesn't. So really, you know, this is an abstract statement. 
even when he talks about the Neva fortress and the factory chimneys behind, they are unlikely to be made of the same bricks. So whatever experience he had as he was looking at those, um, those two objects simultaneously, the chimneys and the fortress walls, um, I'm not clear that he's, he's actually a use, using a good example there to explain what he wants. He'd probably be better off staying in the abstract because straight away I said, well, they won't be the same bricks. That is the first thing that occurred to me. It's because they wouldn't be the same bricks. And yet I do agree in principle with what he's going to say in this chapter. But once again, I, I find that he's not used something that's convinced me. I think that's why, you know, me being a simple woman, I just kind of accepted what he said and got, the, got I guess, the context. If but you yeah, just I, I know what you're what saying. He said, if, he just, if you yeah. just accept what he said, you're in, you're in a parcel of trouble because everybody is going to argue against you and, and with good justification. You know, if I have a set of red bricks made in factory A to build a house here, somebody takes some blue bricks from factory B and builds them next to it. And you say, oh, I'm sensing that both, although that both of those buildings are made of brick, those bricks are not the same. And I'm going to go... You simple woman, of course they're not the same. They're made in different <laughs> factories and they're different colours. You know, so he, he doesn't do, it, he doesn't do him, uh, his point any justice with the examples that he makes here. He would have been better off staying in, in the abstract. If, he, if he'd have said, for example, factory A makes red bricks. The red bricks are used to build a church here and a prison here. Do you get the same feeling from those bricks? They are technically the same brick, they've come from the same factory, they're the same shape, size, weight, mass and colour, but one has the function of holding the idea of a church, the other has the function of holding the idea of a prison. Do we see them in the same way? Do we get the same feeling about them if we go deeper than the actual building? Now there you've got an abstract concept where you can try to, de to describe um, what he's trying to describe in here. Um, when two, when two things are quite clearly made of different things, um, yeah, of course they seem different. But people are then missing the point. Well, all right. I, I, I take your point. I still, I still will stand by the fact that, that it made a point for me. It, did make, it, it made a point for me. I didn't an, analyse it, it to, The point it made for you was in the abstract. In if the... Oh, absolutely. The, if, you, yes. if you started... Because... Because you're doing it based on function, which is what we should be doing. I, I mean, we are going to come to other things that he says here, and I, I, I am going to have to ask questions of them. So we are going to go to that on this very same page. Mm. As we go down now, a few paragraphs, um, I, I need to, to see, have I missed something or haven't I? The next, the next extrapolation he takes for this, and he is talking about, as you said, the function being different. He says, we, we see the things of the same material constitution, but different in their functions, are really different, and that this difference goes so deep as to make different the very material which is physically the same. Let's start right there. I don't agree. If I see right. a prison and a house, both made of the same brick, I will not, I absolutely will not see or feel a difference in the material of the individual bricks that make them up. I will see a difference and I will feel that there's a difference between a prison and a home, 
but I will not see or sense a difference in the bricks. And in fact, more to the point, I will, if I will probably recognise, hang on, that prison's made of the same bricks as that house. How strange, you know, what, you know, how funny it is, isn't it, that one factory can produce bricks that in one sense create a prison and in the other, quite the opposite, a warm and comforting and sheltering home. And that's as far as I'll take it. But I will recognise the bricks as being the, exactly the same. So I'm, I'm not so sure that, that he's persuaded me there. What is it he's is actually saying, Alice? I think for, from what I'm understanding of what he's saying is, yes, there are physically the same they are made of the chem same chemical composition if they come from the same factory for example as you, in, in your example that they are mm -hmm. from all intents and purposes the same in the way we measure things in the way science measures things in terms of a chemical composition in terms of length you know measuring measuring them there as size x brick or, or whatever but once they're they're used for a different function that they, they have a different feeling about them. They feel different. So they may be the same, and that's, I think that's his point. Even though they are chemically composition the same, made of the same substance, they feel different. And that is a, it's not something tangible in, this, in the way we measure things. It's just a feeling. Okay. It's, a, it's a different vibe. I'm, I'm going to suggest something else as well now i'm going to suggest that when they're just a pile of bricks before they've been made into a prison or a church whichever you, you prefer um i'm going to say that they're just a pile of bricks i'm going to say that they're not even though they've been designated one one pile of bricks for a prison and i'm going to say that individually those bricks remain the same no matter what what they constitute it's only when they're brought together i.e to constitute a prison or a church that this difference kicks in. I'm going to say that it's not fundamentally a quality of the brick that's there. And I'm not persuaded otherwise yet. Um, so pile of bricks over on the right, pile of bricks over on the left. On the right, I'm going to build a prison. On the left, I'm going to build a church. The bricks came out of the same batch from the same factory. At the moment, they're just two piles of bricks. And that's their function at the moment, isn't it? To, to, be, a pile, to be a pile of bricks. That... Yeah, so, so, we see, so we see them as exactly the same. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that when we've built the two structures, the church over here and the prison over here, it's still not the individual bricks that have the difference. It is their collective that has the sensation of um, a difference. I don't believe that the individual... Because if you took the bricks down again, if you deconstructed the prison, it would just be a pile of bricks. It's only when they come together as a prison, that you have this sensation. That's an interesting concept because, uh, yeah, I, I'd thought about it as the individual bricks are making up the wall and the individual bricks have a different feel in themselves. But you, you have made a very good point there that if they are a pile of bricks or if you have one brick, just one brick that you got from mm -hmm. the prison wall, say, say you pulled a brick out, and you took yeah. off with it. Is that brick still a the prison? Brick from, say, say the Berlin Wall. When the Berlin Wall yeah, came yeah. down and people took souvenirs, yeah. does the, the souvenir they have have the same vibe that it had when it was a collective with all the other pieces of the Berlin Wall being an oppressive wall? 
Is that is that what you what yeah, you sort of saying? Exactly, like, that's exactly what yeah, I'm saying. So, now, now for people, hang on, because we can we we've got to you've got to ex, uh, um, abstract that because if you take it now, people who've taken it could have all kinds of sensations from that piece of that wall because of their connection with it. If you lived in Berlin from 1960 to you know 1990, that wall could could stimulate feelings within you that's got nothing to do with the brick whatsoever so let's go into the future 50 60 years where nobody had the actual experience of what that wall was now they know from history that they're looking at a brick from the berlin wall but it's no longer part of the berlin wall it's it's an ornament in the house or it's a, an object in a museum now do now you can ask the question what does that brick represent to them does it do people see it and feel it because this is all about feeling right this chapter yeah. do they feel it as being different or is it just a brick if it was outside of a museum and it didn't have a label on it if it was just a brick in the road what effect would it have on you i think you're right there you wouldn't even know that it came from the berlin wall i'm going to suggest to you that it only has what Spensky is granting it here in in the context of where it is i.e. a brick in a prison wall only gives you the prison wall brick feeling when it's in the prison wall when it is part of a collective that makes up that wall you take it out of that prison wall run away with it like you said and show it to somebody that didn't even know that it was part of a prison wall and they're going to get the feeling of it's a brick yeah it's just a brick or if, if they found it on the road if you tossed it yeah that's it they would just say it's a brick yeah, it wouldn't have that vibe. Yeah, nope. that's very interesting. I, so, so I yeah. think it's it's the collective context in which the physical object goes, and it's something that he he kind of misses in that part of the explanation. Yeah. What I will suggest, though, that comes out of this is the idea of fluidity. Now, this hidden sense of of what makes an object different and has and has meaning beyond positivism if we allow for it to be fluid i.e the brick in a prison wall has a particular prison vibe about it you know deep perhaps uncomfortable and so on whereas if you took a brick out of the prison wall and used it as one of the bricks to build something positive and unlifting uplifting you know um I don't know, a cultural center or, or something happy or, 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 or even a family home. I think that that brick then takes on a totally different hidden inner meaning. In other words, it's fluid, it is mutable, it can change given its context and the use to which it is, is perceived to be put. You know, I think you're you're 100% right there, and I have an example of that. I have an example of that in my life. I had I I uh, I had a farm, and uh, on the way up to the farm, I stopped in at this little coffee shop, and they had all these plants for sale, and they were just sort of sitting there on the concrete in their pots, and there was a mulberry tree there, and I thought I'm going to take that mulberry tree and put it up at the farm and plant it there. So sat in the car and up we went. Now that mulberry tree had a feel about it when it was sitting amongst all those other um, pots. They're just sort of on the concrete, like there was no mm -hmm. no great. There wasn't any great 
lovely environment. And then when I put it in the ground at the farm, I almost felt it exhale. Like it was just a feeling that it was like, it was so happy. It was so happy. Of course, the fires have now come and totally killed it. But, but the point was, it was so happy. And I think that, that was in a different, that same tree put in a different context, made it a different, gave it a different vibe. I think that's what you're saying. Now, you know, Spensky, and I agree with that, and I th- and I think that a lot of people who are sensitive enough will have felt that. Well, even if you buy one from a garden centre, you know, where they're all in mm. rows and it's almost like they're in prison, and you take it home and you plant it in your garden, you'll feel it, exactly that. Yeah. And it seems happy. Yeah. I always see, see trees as being happy like that. I mean, Spensky says, there are differences in stone, in wood, in iron, in paper, which no chemistry will ever detect. But these differences exist, and there are men who feel and understand them. You know, fair enough. But I, again, I'm going to tell you that, I mean, he's not. what he's not saying here is the difference between iron and paper. We all know there's a difference between iron and paper because the chemistry does detect them. What he's talking about is this, this inner, inner meaning of two allegedly similar pieces of paper or stones we just, which what we've just been discussing like bricks you know, which is what we've used um but this is i find this next bit a little contentious the mast of a ship a gallows a crucifix at a crossroads on the step these may be made of the same kind of wood but in reality they are different objects made from or made of different material now they're different objects, all right. I I want to know how on earth they're of different material because material is a very specific word. If he's meaning, if, if what he intends us to understand is that they are different because of the function that they've been given, there's a big difference between um, a gallows and the mast of a sailing ship, for example, or a crucifix at the crossroads, um, if he's saying that they're different because of an inherent quality that they they take on when they're given a particular function, yes. But the word in my translation is material. Material is a word that's used by positivists. We're talking about the material quality rather than the spiritual quality. Do you understand what I what I mean by that? Yes, I'm just finding that section here. Um, oh, it's literally the next, if you go, it's the paragraph yes. after woman, church, etc. You got it? Yes, so the mast of a ship. The mast of a ship, a gallows, a crucifix, they may be made of the, of the same kind of wood, but in reality they are different objects made of, and then in italics, different material. Then, by any definition in English of, of the word material, they are not made of different material. They must take, the only way that they can be different is through some aspect of a numinous quality, i.e. some kind of spiritual, other dimensional, if you prefer, quality that they take on as a, as a part of the function that's given to them, whether it be massed, gallows or crucifix but the material is not different so what does he mean because he's the word is very specific and in italics i think it, it, it he says so in the next um the next little bit he says uh 
That which we see, touch, investigate is nothing more than the circles on the plane made by the coin and the candle. They are only the shadows of real things, the substance of which is contained in their function. And I think the fact that he's got the, the substance of which is contained in their function italicised, I think that's what he's talking about as the material. It's he's, he's, he's intertwining then, substance. Then he needs that, that again. You know, this is a problem I've had all along this book. You know, and I'm I'm not going to go go into one and call him an idiot and everything. But the fact of it is that it's or a simple written. woman. It's well, yeah, he could he could be a simple woman, couldn't he? Um, but you know, honestly, it's badly written. When you use a phrase like different material and you italicize it so that we can be in, even a stupid person like me should be in no doubt that this is important the word material does not refer to something abstract like the function the material world excuse me the material world it is a phrase and it is a well-known phrase in this language does not refer to anything unseen spiritual functional abstract at all the material world is the world of the positive i punch this hand Thus, I know that it is a physical, material, positive object with, with you know, chemical um, makeup that I can actually analyse. So I'm sorry, but I, I can't accept when you say, I think he must mean because he goes on to say. I'm, I don't believe that. I think that he, uh, he is trying to say that they are materially different when there's no explanation for what makes them materially different when it's only the function that's changed. If you're right, and I do suppose that you are, then it's badly written. And why would you put that in italics? That phrase in absolute emphasised italics when that's the one that's going to take you down the wrong path. Because it does take you down yeah. the wrong path. That piece, if I have one, one tree and one tree trunk, you know, and I make a mast, a gallows and a crucifix out of that one tree, it's the same damn material. Now we can go, hang on, I am, just, just let me do this. You can go to a metaphysical argument and say, well, this block of that tree trunk cannot be the same as that block of the tree trunk because they don't occupy the same space, they're not the same weight, they're not the same mass, and you've cut it into a different shape. That's a, that's, that's a very abstract metaphysical argument and you can sit around all day and ask how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. To me... They are the same material and everybody on this earth would be. And he's not referring to them in that sense. We know that it's the yes. same material. So material being chemical, same chemical composition. Yeah, the, the actual same. physical composition of the thing. Physi yeah, so... Uh, there's, there is no other meaning of it. There is absolutely... You, you search. You, when we finish this podcast, go and seek and you will not find an abstract meaning of material. Material is the opposite of abstract and spiritual and numinous. It is yeah, the very okay. counterpoint to it. It's the very word that is used to counterpoint all of those things. And yet there it is. I Yeah, look, I'm agreeing with you that... See, I took, it, I took his point that he was trying to drive at, and I will say I have grappled with this part of the point. If he says that, say... Um, uh, the mast and uh, the gallows, they're, they're all, or bricks in the prison wall or, or whatever, like two things that, that have the same chemical composition. I, I was thinking mm -hmm. he was getting to the point to say that they actually are 
materially different. Like they might have the same chemical composition, but there's something in them that we don't sense. That's, uh, that that's why I say them both you know, that, that, is, that is no. Come on, stop it. You you know full well that I know that that's what he that's what he means later on. I, I mean that that isn't even contentious. The con, what's contentious is the use of the word material. In that context, in that sentence, uh, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. If he says they are materially, we could say that they are materially the same, but there is something about them that makes us have different feelings about them. When we see a gallows, we feel different than when we see a crucifix. There, I'm there. I, it's the function that would make, make the difference, but that's not what he says. And I've also got another, another question to ask you here. Okay. I've got a piece of wood and I've made I've made a, a mast, a ship mast. Okay. Um, the mast is on a, a ship. Um, I'm going to say that it's different if it's a warship in the Napoleonic Wars and, or if it's a trading ship or if it's a slave ship. You know, so same mast could be fitted to any one of three ships that's being built in the shipyard. All have a different function. I'm guessing that the the mast changes in that sense, and yet it's the same mast. Now, take this a step further. If um, there was a serious breach of regulation in the British, and not just the British, but let, let's use the British Navy in the Napoleonic era, the era of the, the sailing warship, Nelson at Trafalgar and so on, the last line of punishment was hanging. Let's say it was mutiny. The, 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 the accusation was mutiny. Where are, you hang, where are you hung from? The gallows? No, there isn't a gallows on a ship. I'm asking you the question. Do you know where, where they used to hang people? Oh, yeah, well, I'm presuming, I'm only guessing, but I'm presuming they're hung from the mast. Is that right? Absolutely. The, the, the phrase in English is, you're hung from the yardarm. The yardarm is a part of the mast. Okay. So what? Ha so so, how do you perceive? I've got to tell you that you would not perceive the mast of that ship in your everyday business. You're on that ship. You're floating around. Nelson's there on the on the the rear deck, and he's you know he's doing all of the the stuff that he does. The navigators are doing theirs. You're doing your job. There's the masts on the ship, and you just see them as the masts. They are the things that hold the sails. They're the means of your propulsion and navigation. You probably don't pay them too much attention until you've got to go up up. You know you've got to climb the masts and unfurl the you know the sails and so on they're just masts on the ship until somebody has been accused of mutiny and the whole ship comes to the halt and the whole ship's company comes out the the charges are read the punishment is announced and that bloke is now in your viewing is taken up to the yard arm to be hung then your perception of the mast changes it's the same bloody mast that, that's been you know your playground for, for how long right up until the moment that it becomes a gallows do you still how long do you still perceive it as being a gallows after that and at what point does it just become part of the ship again yeah and is it it's the same gallows by, that, by the way yeah sure and and there's you know 50 people standing on the deck each one of them will possibly have 400 400 a, there'll be 400 on, oh, a, on a british navy warship in the napoleonic era Cram, crammed in they were crammed in see my history isn't that brilliant but what i'm thinking is it will be different for each of them 
So yeah, I and might... that, uh, that was where I was. That was where I was going to come to next because then it becomes part of our perception. Mm. And with Aspensky, because I, I I was thinking that he was literally saying, as I was trying to say this before, he was literally saying the material is different. That besides the function, besides the vibe, that he was li- when he used that word materially, that he was implying that physically they were different, but we just didn't have the measure for what that difference was. There was some hidden physical property that that uh, we don't measure. And that's why I was thinking he was calling it materially. And I was thinking that that, that extra material piece was not in this dimension. It was a material piece somewhere else. Because he talks about us seeing things as the shadows of their real, their real self. But it can surely only come... Yeah, but it surely can only come as a form of function because um, you can take the wood from a sailing ship's mast and turn it into a crucifix. You can take the wood uh, from a gallows and turn it into a crucifix. Oh, look, I'm 100% agreeing with you there, Peter. I'm just saying. So to me, it's 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 not only function, it's not just the function, it's our perception of it. By the way, some people may see a gallows and have this sense of horrible, desperate, dark fear and revulsion. Somebody else could walk past it and not give a care. Same object, different. Di- di- so it has to be our it has to be our interaction with it that makes that 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 forms part of that that difference, which which also suggests that it's not a material difference. By the way, mm, mm. so I, I'm agreeing with you that your his use of the word material is not a good word. I guess that's where I'm coming from. I'm saying that even if you know it doesn't hold it, it doesn't hold if you start looking at the the word material there it has to be the function the difference has to be the function yeah and he even goes on to it doesn't he like if you forget what i what i've just like held us up on a little bit um and then you go down and he says that these things you know they're only the shadows of real things and then in italics he says the substance of which is contained in their function yeah and he uses the word substance which is Mm. another word that we use in chemistry you know substance yeah, I know. Um, to describe material but at least in this description we get the suggestion that substance is something more yes than the, yes. Than, than the positivism and you know and he says like the substance of which is contained in their function so their reality is fluid because the use can change I mean that you you cannot deny that one nobody can deny it so what you know, the substance of any object is subject to change. If you change the function of the object, then its material, you know, it, its substance um, has to change because its function's changed. Gallows to crucifix. Yeah, which means we are seeing shadows. If we see them as a piece of wood, we are only seeing the shadow of what they actually are. We have to actually take in the function as another aspect of the object but yeah. then you you know we brought we've already brought up an interesting point between us um just a, a moment ago where we talked about the the subjective perception then because if i if i walk past the gallows and couldn't care less and you walk past it and and like have to cross yourself and, and that you, you feel like a, a sense of cold horror and revulsion um then if you were to describe the gallows and I were to describe it, we wouldn't be. Dis- it would seem like we were describing 
totally different things, wouldn't it? So it's our subjective perception that then makes a difference too. Not just the function of the object, but, our, but, 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 but the function of us as, as human beings. Yeah, and, I, and I, I think he touches on this a little later when he talks about the chains of causation. I, 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 I honestly, I hate all that technical stuff. He actually talks about it right here, right here. When he talks about the diff, yeah, when he talks about the difference between a, a sailor, you know, and a hangman and what have you, you would look at a distance and say, "There's two human beings." But then, if you got closer and you saw that one was a sailor and the other was a hangman, you probably have two different perceptions about those those human beings. You wouldn't see them as the same thing. You wouldn't see them made of the same material, even though you know they are flesh and blood and bone and and so on. So it does. It he does actually bring into it the idea that the human beings have different, uh, different aspects too. Oh yeah. Now that is the next step in the scaffold. Yeah, the shadow of a sailor or a hangman and an aesthetic may be quite simple. Yeah, but I I don't like it when we do these technical things because I could spend all day ripping them apart and asking what he means and so on. I think he 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 halts. A, a really beautifully flowing narrative when he does that. The fact that I, I, I've purposely not mentioned the circles on the table and the candle and the coin, because it's it. My see, I have a material perception of that. I find it, I find it incredibly unnecessary, and you have to actually stop and then go through a perceptive process. It's not a fluid learning process. I, I don't, I don't need it. Um, you know, when uh, it's easy to see when he says, if I forget that, that little bit, uh, he said, they're contained in the shadows of real things, the substance of which is contained in their function. Why do I need to, to go back to talking about two dimensional planes and God knows what else? I'm not interested. Ah. I, I wasn't interested yeah. at the time. I'm even less interested now because this is the real thing. The function of an object gives it an attribute that we can sense, not with the five positive senses, but with something within us that, that, that has a numinous quality to it. If we were to develop that quality and acknowledge that we have it, you would then acknowledge the feeling that you get from an object, that the object has an, as an attribute because of its function or perceived function. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm 100% on board. I guess the point I was addressing was when you talked about perception, you know, the person walking past having mm -hmm. no feeling for the hang the hangman and the person walking past does. And what would be the difference yeah. if the function is the same? And what I was drawing attention to, and we'll come to this a little later, was yeah, yeah, that yeah. He, does, he does address these, he talks about these chains of causation being... Uh, linked together by our action and conduct. So if, if, and I'm just thinking the perception is we might have had an interaction with gallows before and lost a loved one. We'll have a different yeah, yeah. view of that, that than, because we've had a different interaction with it than somebody who's never experienced anything like that. So I think he does draw that later on. But you see how you just described it? You described it as a human being would describe it to another human being. When you start using languages about links of causation and blah, 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 you said it great. You walked past the gallows and you hate it because you had a loved one who was wrongly hanged for something that they didn't do. 
Now, human beings listening to your explanation like that can actually feel that. They can actually understand what you're saying. When you go, and of course, it could be different because links of causation, but uh, seriously, Alice, and this is what I have a problem. Using your language explains it wonderfully and everybody will get it. When you then start going into links of causation and blah, 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 it's like, oh my God. And now I've got to think, what does it mean by a link of causation? I, you'd, I, nobody listening to your explanation of somebody who'd lost a loved one and then gets that feeling as they go past, and then somebody that, to, to whom it means nothing, everybody gets what he means by the phrase that you were going to use when you started talking about the links of causation, blah, blah, blah. Everybody Which I gets am it. only quoting Aspensky here, remember? <laughs> I know, I know and, my, and, my, and my point <laughs> is that I'm avoiding those parts. I'm not, I am purposely not quoting those parts of Aspensky because I think that they diminish the pleasure of the revelation of what he's telling us. By, by taking you off the roller coaster and putting you in a maths class. I'm in the fun fair. I'm really enjoying these explanations. Oh, you've just dragged me off, the, off that roller coaster and you've put me in this room and where they're going to teach me mathematics. Um, thanks for that. Gee. And now, by the way, when you do take me outside the maths class and you put me back in the fun fair, it's going to take me a while to start getting my enjoyment back because I feel like I've been violated by being put in a maths class when I had come to a fun fair. That's my explanation of, it, of how it feels for me. Other people will have different, different feelings for it, but I won't be alone. Best-selling books don't use words like, or phrases like, and of course there are links of causation, or, or you know, and all the descriptions, the mathematical descriptions he had before. Best-selling books don't do that. There's a reason why they don't do that. Because the best-selling book flows and it appeals to the humanity within us. The numinous joy that we get from the understanding when something explained beautifully. That's why I don't do it. So anyway, moving on to this, the points of this. Let's go back to where we were up to because that does come mm. later. And uh, because the next thing he talks about is he's, he's taking his analogy, well, he's taking his explanation now to describe differences in, in, different, in, in human beings. So it's out of bricks into human beings. And that is, is your, your quote about the, um, the sailor and the, the hangman. So I'll just read the quote. And if we take men as we know them, the sailor, the hangman, the aesthetic, men who seem to us similar and equal and consider them from the standpoint of their differences in function, we shall see that in reality they are entirely different and there is nothing in common between them. They are quite different beings belonging to different categories to different planes of the world between which there are no bridges and no avenues at all. Stop there, stop there. Don't go on because it'll diminish the, the fact that we've got to ask what the hell does he mean by that? Yeah, I was hoping you'd know. Because it, it appears to me, you cannot say that people are made of different, entirely, and he says, he says the word entirely yeah, different. Yeah, and that, see, this is my point. Yeah, we are made of, of cells. and the, Yeah, yeah the, the positive aspect of us. And again, you know, he seems to make these statements that sort of deny the idea of mutability. Now, last night I was watching a documentary series, there's four episodes of it, and it's about um, 
the slave trade in in Britain. Um, you know, we're going back, and it's it's a really beautifully made documentary, and it's great. But one of the great engines for the abolition of slavery in this country was somebody who had been the master of a slave ship and made a fortune as the master of a slave ship, who had then converted to zealous Christianity and he became a minister and he was ministered in, in England. I forget his name, much to my shame, but he's, you can look him up because he's the man who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace. And Amazing Grace was about this idea of transformation from being this evil slave trader to understanding the brotherhood of all men and and the meaning of the script the scriptures okay so what we're saying when he says that we're all these different john categories and that will be him and between which there are no bridges that's him john newton and he says you know but when espensky says they are different beings belonging to different categories, to different planes of the world, between which there are no bridges, no avenues at all. I mean, that's pretty harsh. Clearly, clearly, Newton, this John Newton, um, found a bridge and found an avenue between life as an, a vile and evil slave master, you know, slave ship master, and one of being somebody that did incredible charitable work in London, who became a Christian minister in the true Christian sense, Brotherhood of Man. But um, he did become that. He found the bridge. He found the avenue. And people constantly yeah. change what they are. I mean, I've been a million different things. You know, for God's sake, I was a stockbroker at one point in the city of London. Um, then I was an academic. And then, you know, I was, um, IT I was a network designer, IT network designer. And I used to teach network design all over Europe. Um, I'm now a hypnotist and a therapist. And I mean, this is where I, I remain. But, you know, this, look, people find find bridges and avenues. What does he mean by that? I I mean, honestly, I have no idea. And I'm, I struggle to find a meaning to that. And I'd, I'd love you to find, find what he means by that. It seems so like definite and so certain the way he's put it. And he must, he must have something that, that he thinks is obvious because he doesn't seem to explain it. The only thing I can think of is because he, he then goes on to talk about uh, people having their own individual soul that yeah. that he's saying that we we are walking our individual path and we can't uh, become someone else we we are a, we are our own unique self and we are walking our path and we can obviously change that path but we can't be someone else like I can't if, if we're all individual souls my soul is my soul and your soul is your soul and they're not interchangeable. I can't have a holiday in your soul and you have a holiday in mine. No. You come, you know. So it's the only thing I'm thinking he's saying that because he says, the next sentence, he says, um, these men seem to us equal. Oh, sorry, go on, Pete. No, no I was just going to say, I, I, I get you. Um, however, rather than go forward to the next sentence, I'll take you back where he starts off this paragraph by saying... You know, if we take men as we know them, the sailor, the hangman, the aesthetic, men who seem similar and equal and consider them from a standpoint of their differences in function, blah, 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 right? So he's not, you know, I, he's, yeah. say, he's saying he's that saying there's no bridges between he? that. Yeah, and he's, so he, what he's saying is, because he says there are no bridges between them, 
and no avenues that they can't check. Look, if there wasn't a bridge between um, the shadow that represents the Christian minister and the shadow that represents the slave trader, there would be no way of the slave trader having an idea of what it's like to be a person of good spirit and therefore would not be able to assume this transformation from slave trader to minister. Okay, I'll give you an example. If you've never seen a kangaroo, which until the 18th century no European ever had, um, if you've never seen a kangaroo, you couldn't imagine, you couldn't imagine, um, do you know what, I'm going to be a kangaroo farmer, or I'm going to be a kangaroo hunter, or killer, or whatever the hell. You couldn't even imagine it because there was no avenue or bridge. But we do, you know, but, but hangmen do see um, church ministers and vice versa. There is an avenue, there is a bridge through by which they can make a transformation into, into being someone else in that sense. You think they, too, think about, think about the hangman. The hangman has a, a, a you know, thing over his head, as yeah. you can see his eyes. So, so that person is the hangman, but you wouldn't actually know necessarily, well, they probably did in the village, but, you know, it's supposed to give him anonymity. So he could potentially have two functions. He could be the, the village baker. He just becomes the hangman for the day hangings are on, and then goes mm -hmm. back to being the village baker. So he's doing two functions. It's like a superhero. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I guess what I'm saying is I suppose hangings are only paid by the hanging as opposed to this is your permanent job and, and, and the city will pay you every day even though you're sitting on, on your dot doing nothing. Um, oh, well, you say that, but I, I, I get the feeling that in uh, medieval Britain, and well, medieval Europe, that it was pretty full on. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Was... Well, I guess my point is, my point is that same person know, could have come, different I, I functions. You're being yeah, they could. <laughs> yeah. So if, if Spensky is talking on the physical plane that a person's occupation or what a person, uh, what person does in life cannot change then then we're all toast yeah and and i see this is this is what i say i think he must be meaning something different that he's just not getting over to an, an idiot like me i'm i'm obviously like a simple woman or child <laughs> seemingly actually no you know because because he says that the simple woman or child find this perfectly understandable and i don't so i'm stupider than that i'm just the idiot <laughs> i'm just simple i'm not getting it alan yeah, I, I, look, I'm 100% with you there because what he, if you just take what he has written there, it, it is, it's got so many holes in it, it's not funny. It's only when he continues on. Please do that. Please, please do that then. Let's, let's move on and see, see if we can, let's see if we can pull, pull some meaning out of this. Yeah, pull it out. So he says, these men seem to us equal and similar because in most cases we only see the shadows of real facts. The souls, and he does that in inverted commas, of these yeah. men are actually quite different. Different not only in their quality, their magnitude, and then in, he says this in inverted commas as well, age. their age, as some people like now to put it, but is different in and in italics in the very nature, origin and purpose of their existence, as these things belonging mm -hmm. to entirely different categories can be. I mean, that's like... Hold the bus. There's a lot, lot in that. 
that he's hinting at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's he's yeah, really and saying. I know that what he is, and I know what he is hinting at. But what, let me tell you, nothing in this book so far has given you cause to actually be able to decipher what he means there. So no, you know, it, it, it's a bit naughty of him to put that in. If I start he does to that tell a lot, you, though. if I if I start to tell you what that means. And I don't mean to tell you because I know that you you already know, but if if I were talking to a group of people that you know and any old random group of people about this, you'd start looking. Oh my God, you're completely nuts, because we're now going into what the modern world, and I hate this term, calls the woo woo. We're going right there. I I hate it. I hate it so much. It's so dismissive. It's so dismissive as a term. And it's said by people who I have no respect. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, but but anyway, but but that's but that's where we're going. To use that modern phrase, that's where we're going here. And I can extrapolate exactly what he means here. But um, it's pointless. I don't. I don't think it would help us right now. Well, I I, I know where he's going, and, and because well, I've read the book obviously, but but it seems to me that he's not even giving the word souls. A, a proper definition. He's got that in inverted commas. So he's almost saying that the common understanding of the word soul isn't what he's really referring to, but it's as close as he can get. The other thing that he could be doing is putting soul in inverted commas because it's just a word to describe something for which different cultures in different parts of the world have other words. True. Okay, let me, let me, give, you, let me give you some common functions from the Western world now. Um, if we went back, um, let's say, 60 years, you would hear the word soul pretty much exclusively. But now there is a whole raft of people out there who you could say things like higher self, inner self, you know, and things like that. And they mean the same thing. Yeah, spirit and so on. But higher self, inner self, these are very new agey sort of functions because... I find, because I work with them a lot and because of my, my background, I find that a lot of these new ages have gone rabidly, fundamentally, so anti-religion that they feel the need to convolute themselves by finding new ways of saying... Like, for example, I have people that come to shamanic groups to me and I always tease them by using the word God instead of great spirit or great creator or... You know, whatever. Or sometimes, sometimes I really do them by saying great architect of the universe, which is a Masonic, obviously a Masonic and ceremonial magic thing. So I I really, I really do do screw them over by, by using terms that I know they're going to be uncomfortable with because it's stupid. But, you know, I think Ospensky there has used souls in inverted commas because people who likely will read this book will perhaps have different words for what he's talking about here. But you'd have to be sort of in the clique. You know, you'd have to be part of this um, investigator into the realms of the numinous, and certainly from a magical point of view, you'd have to even be in the, the magical world of the late 19th, early 20th century to get this, to, ha- to even need to have italics around the word soul. I know where he is, and I, and I, and I know that exactly from the three lines that follow where age is also in inverted commas. Yeah. You know why you know why he's, I'll just give you a, I'll just give you a hint. He knows 
he knows and he knows that the people that he's writing for and he knows that the people that he mixes with and the people that that you know are doing the work that he finds important he knows that they know that the soul in inverted commas is eternal and that age is only a function of the illusion of the temporary stand, um, existence that we have here in the third dimension which won't, and of course we may have more than one of those in fact we, we probably do have many many incarnations as human beings and that's why those things soul and age are in inverted commas okay uh, I'm not even going to go into the very nature, origin and purpose of their existence. I'm, we would be here all night and we do do that further on in the book. So let's keep going. He does. He does come to that. Um, I thought the age was referring to, um, you know, people talk about an old soul, that uh, someone that's been around the block many incarnations and others haven't. I, that was a, that was a um, as I grew up. Uh, my my parents were in the Rosicrucian order, as I've mentioned before, but that that mm-hmm. was something that that they referred to. You know, we we're all our souls have all different ages and they've had different experiences and that's blah, right. blah blah blah. So that's what I think he was talking about. There is another potential interpretation that I would like to throw out there. That he Go may ahead. mean he may mean by age what we talk about the ages i.e the age of the stone age the bronze age ages the material age the industrial age the te- you know the electronic age and so on he could he could mean differences between different ages that's i don't think that necessarily he does mean that there but it's another potential and it's another it's another use of language that that souls that have incarnated in different ages may be fundamentally different too um, although many souls have reincarnated in many ages, as he will understand. So, but I, I think he really does mean uh, the age, you know, uh, in a 3D one incarnation sense. So I might think that oh, I'm right. like, I might think that I'm 40 years old now, because it's 40 years since I was born. Um, but that's only in this incarnation. My soul may have come into existence millions of years ago and I may have had innumerable experiences on many in many different dimensions and so on that's why he's put that knowing little wink when he's used the word age yeah so we're going to leave it there and we're going to do this in two parts so we'll continue with part two next week thank you very much look forward to it and thank you all for listening and look forward to your company for part two of chapter 14 next week